Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Hey there, everybody. Scott Cowan here, your host at the Exploring Washington State podcast. And you're about to listen to an episode I recorded recently with Jesse Butterworth. Uh, Jesse is the lead singer of the Seattle area band, The West Coast Feed. And he's also uh, doing a solo career and he's releasing his first solo album later this year. And that album is going to be called All the Gold I've Struck. During this episode, Jesse shares a lot of great stories with us about his recording career through the years, his uh, where he's been performing, how the bands are put together. There's just a lot of great information here. Uh, one of the things that he shares that I personally found fascinating, and it has nothing to do with Washington State, must confess, but he recorded all the gold I've struck at Abbey Road Studios in London. You know, that famous little studio where Beatles albums, Dark Side of the Moon, Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, et cetera, et cetera, have recorded. And, and Jesse, I'll just let him tell the story. It's great. You'll, I think the story about Abbey Road is fantastic and I enjoyed every moment of it. But I'm going to let you uh, listen to the episode. Thank you for uh, tuning in to the Exploring Washington State podcast. We really appreciate all of you. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button because we'd love that. And it'd be really great if you would take a few minutes and, and write an honest review for us. Uh, we're looking for feedback. We want to get better. We want to deliver what you guys are looking for. And uh, you can help us out by you know hitting that subscribe button and sending us a review. All right, let's get started. All right. My guest today is Jesse Butterworth. Jesse, thank you for being a guest and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Great to be here. So I'd like to just jump in and I tell the story of how I found out about you and, and your band and you and your solo work. And that is through a longtime friend of mine, Michael Wansley. You had him sing the hook on Shake It, which got heavy rotation in my household for a while. It nice. was a very cool song. And that's how I was introduced to to you in the West Coast feed and, and now your solo work. So how did you find Juan? So let's just start with that question. How did you find him for that track? Well, I actually, I love that when people say, oh, you got Juan's to sing the hook on your song. Cause it always makes us sound like we're like, um, you know, we're like hip hop or like we're rap or something. Like, <laughs> like we're so far from that, <laughs> but, far from that yeah. but it's, but it does, it does earn us some serious street cred. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we, um, uh, the guitarist in our band, Matt Wool, he had, um, he has roots in Bellingham and knew Wands way back in the day and had a friend who still, I, I think was working with Wands. Like, I mean, this was, I, I think they were all maybe in college together. So I can't remember. He would be the one that could tell you the actual. So did, did Matt go to central? Cause we all went to central. In uh, yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then I probably ran across him at some point then too, but um, I don't remember him. So anyway. I wait, is Central the one? That's, no. Sorry, not no. in Ellensburg. He no, he went to what what's the one in um Western, right? Is that uh, the one Western, in Bellingham? Yeah. yeah. He went to he went to Western. So I don't okay. know. Now I see this is why I'm saying you need to ask Matt. I don't even remember what <laughs> what it was like friend of a friend or some connection there. But it was something where we were like, man, it'd be great to get just a really great baritone on this part, get a guest, you know, spot. And so um Matt, you know, kind of hooked it up with a friend and uh and yeah, he he just, you know, just kind of showed up at the studio one day and we we're like, Hey, how's it going? And he, <laughs> he was ready to roll and uh, it yeah. was great. Yeah. Um, that, it's a great song. It's, oh, a, it's a great song. And I, uh, and so that was, that was my introduction to you guys. So how did, uh, we'll talk about the West coast feed first for a couple seconds. How did, how did you get started with that band and what's the story there? Story was several years ago, uh, my friend Matt that I was just talking about, he and I were in Austin together and um, he and I uh, have known each other for a long time and uh, we've kind of made music off and on, but uh, we were in Austin and um, we were there for like some work stuff, but in the evenings we were out and, you know, and it's just, it's just such a eclectic artistic city. And so we went and saw a show, I think almost every night. So we went and saw a guy named Kishibashi, who, if you don't know him, he's fantastic. Okay. Um, and he's a singer songwriter and like violinist, uh, incredible. Um, and his live show is just insane. And so, um, we saw that. And then the next day we went and saw the head and the heart 
at okay. Stubbs. And um, so it was when we were at Stubbs that we turned to each other kind of halfway through the show and ironically watching a Seattle band that were from Seattle, watching them in Austin, but we just turned to them in the show we should, and we were like, we should be doing something, you know, like why, why don't we, why don't we do something? What are we afraid of? Or what, you know, I think we just sort of felt like, oh, we're probably too old or we're too busy or we're too whatever, you know? And, um, and we just said, why not? You know? And so we went, uh, we went home and within, I don't know, maybe a month or so we had, um, we'd started kind of trying to assemble this band. I would, I'd been working on songs that didn't really have a home and, you know, and then suddenly it kind of became a lot more focused and everything started happening fast. And every, um, every rehearsal, it was kind of a joke for a while. Every rehearsal, we would have a new person. <laughs> so <laughs> like to, that would add, you know, that was kind of snowball and Matt's a multi-instrumentalist. And so he was the first drummer. Uh, and then we were like, well, it'd be nice actually to have you on bass because he's a really good bass player too. So we brought in a drummer and moved him to bass. And then we were like, well, he's a really good guitarist. So we're like, well, let's bring in a bass player and had to move over to guitar. And then we started adding, uh, you know, we added a violin, we added a, a saxophone, we added a trumpet, we added a trombone, we, you know, like we, until there were about nine of us at one point, um, and uh, we've trimmed that down to a to a very small number of seven now. Seven. So, so you can all use a sixteen passenger van and yes, with we a trailer all, maybe go to sure. It's like uh, we call it the Mormon assault vehicle because it's like that's the only way we can fit. <laughs> it's like all right, here it comes, and it looks like a clown car when we get out. You know, <laughs> just like to see yeah to see the look on people's faces when we come in when we roll in for shows is like oh man, worst worst thing that ever worst tour story that ever happened to us particularly in a band this big and with and the whole thing is like you know it's a horn section and um and electric guitars and bass and drums and it's big bombastic you know sound right we got um we were in the catskills mountains in new york for a festival and had flown in for that and um it was, it turned out to be an absolute nightmare. It, it, it kind of like, once we got there, we were starting to get some serious, um, uh, what was the name of that? I'm blanking on the name. What was the name of that festival that was like super, uh, like a total bust, like out in the middle of the Caribbean or something, Flame Fest or something oh, like that? Oh, yeah, Fire, so, yeah. Fire yeah. Fest. I think it's called yeah. Fire Fest. Yeah. We we're starting right. to get Fire Fest vibes when we were there, just sort of like, I don't know that this is real. I don't know that these people know what they're doing, you know, whatever. And, um, so anyway, anyhow, we got up, you know, we got there for our, um, for our sound check and they were not ready to go and mm. which is not that abnormal. And so we, we hung out for a while, but I mean, they had some like pretty legit acts on this, uh, on this festival. So we were thinking, I mean, it's gotta be somewhat, you know, somewhat real. And so by the time we finally get up to, to play, um, we walk up and the, the stage manager who's already so frazzled goes, okay, so what do you guys like an acoustic act or something? And we're like, what? I'm like, no, not, not at all. We're like, you know, I explain, you know, horn section and electric guitar, drums, bass, you know, whatever. And he's like, well, what do you, where's your instruments? And I said, well, we brought our instruments, but we don't have backline, you know? And he's like, we don't have backline. Like, what are you talking about? And so apparently somewhere along the way, they didn't ever pass along our rider and our, you know, when we advanced the date. And so we were like, you know, and they were already so behind and it, the show was supposed <gasps> to start in 15 minutes or something. And so they just ended up breaking into like another band. It's like a pretty big national band and they were like do not ever tell anybody we use their stuff <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, they broke it you know basically broke it broke out all their stuff and you know we played all their gear and oh my gosh um, that was that was my biggest that was our yeah that was our big nightmare scenario so one of the questions we always like we're trying is like like i said to you before we hit record we're, we're still feeling our way out here with the whole music concept on the ep episodes but the goal of Explore Washington State is always to talk about the state and cool things here. As a musician, two questions. Where have you, where's the coolest place in Washington you've seen a band? And where's the place that you've played that you think is the best place to play? Man. Um, 
sorry, say it one more time. Where's the what? So, the- so, so it, it, when you, you've gone, you've obviously gone and seen a lot of shows while you live here in Washington state. So where's the coolest venue you've, you've, you've seen a band play at. Okay. And conversely, where's the coolest place you've played at? Oh, got it. Okay. Boy, good question. Good question. So I am not originally from here mm-hmm. and I, uh, I'm originally from California. And when, when Seattle really hit the map with grunge and all of that stuff, uh, I, I didn't live here and I was, I was sort of into it, but I really wasn't like, I, I never really got super into, uh, Nirvana and, uh, you know, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and all those great Seattle bands when they were popular at the time, I was like a kid living few generations before, like I I was immersed in the Beatles and Paul Simon and James Taylor and Elton John and stuff like that. And, um, and so, so I I say all that to say, I wasn't, I kind of missed that. It kind of missed me. And, um, so when I got up here and there was, you know, um, when we would play certain venues, definitely uh, most of the guys in the band are from here. And so there's kind of, at least half of them are, you know, and there's sort of the sense of like awe and wonder, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, because I miss that, I I think I have kind of a, maybe a different point of view when I'm going into places of just sort of like, well, that was cool, you know, (laughs) or whatever, Mm -hmm. like missing maybe some of the, some of the history or the local legend, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. around it. But, um, but man, seeing people play, um, I, uh, I, I mean, I've seen people at Macaw and that is, I think incredible. It kind of looks like it's, you know, half out of a scene of like an old, uh, you know, out, out of a, out of Amadeus or something and half out <laughs> of a scene of like the, um, when the council gets together in star Wars, you know, like it's like, (laughs) it's like, it's just, it's, and it's just like acoustically incredible. It's perfect. Um, I love that. And one thing I love though, is, is how, you know, people are so oriented. We live in, in, I think one of the most beautiful places in the entire world and we can't access the outside half the year, you know? And so when we can, people are just like, people go crazy. And so the amount of outdoor stuff around here is so awesome. And and that's one of my favorite things is, is when you can get to an outdoor concert where they have decent sound, you know, and, um, I just live not too far from Chateau St. Michel winery and they do concerts every, uh, summer. And I love, we love going there and, um, experiencing that. But as far as, places we played it was really fun to play the crocodile and it was fun okay. that would that was actually one of the very last shows we played before everything shut down mm-hmm. um and un, you know and little did we know that we would be one of the last bands to play the original crocodile before they right. closed down and moved to another location so that was pretty cool and that that was definitely one of those locations that you know it was fun sitting in the green room ahead of time and with us and a few other the bands that we were playing with and all this just kind of talking about uh, well several of the different guys talking about growing up saying, Oh, I, I, I saw, you know, I saw Soundgarden here. I, I saw, mm-hmm. you know, um, some of these really cool Pearl jam shows or whatever there. And so it's fun to be part of that history. That, that iconic nineties Seattle sound that mm-hmm. swept the world there for a decade. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was just kind of weird to be living in it and watching it from the outside of you or not from the outside, but from inside the bubble watching it was kind of like, this is kind of weird. So recently I'm going to skip over to your solo stuff because you said something to me on our phone call the other day that I, it's not Washington state based, but I've got to ask it, you know, you recorded your, your soon to be released album at a studio that nobody's probably ever heard of before (laughs) uh, called Abbey Road. Yeah. Can you try to express what that was like to, to be there? I've, when I've tried to explain it, it's sort of like one of those things where I I feel like words fall short and that it's, it actually ruins it when I try to explain it (laughs) or like it, it just can't, um, it it just can't come close. It doesn't ruin it, but it it just doesn't, it just doesn't come close to the actual experience. And I think, um, 
it, it ended up being, and especially, so, so speaking of all those things that I was just talking about of how special it was for so many of those people to be at the croc and play that show mm-hmm. or be, you know, when we played these other iconic Seattle venues, you know, it's cool for me. I, I can understand it and I'm, I definitely feel appreciative, but it's not as cool as for those people who definitely in their like for, musical formative years, that was part of the mythos, you know? And mm-hmm. so so take all of that and now put that onto Abbey Road. That's for me. I mean, I I'm a huge, huge, huge Beatles fan, and uh, you know, and and growing up, that was especially Abbey Road was you know one of those records that and Sergeant Pepper's just were like spoke to me in this in this crazy deep special way, and were such a huge part of my. Um, wanting to pick up the guitar and learn the guitar and, and just sitting and listening to the records and really kind of studying the records, studying the production, studying the songwriting, um, okay. you know, reading, uh, I've read just dozens of books on the Beatles and there's a really great book actually, if you're interested about uh, on the Beatles and Abbey road called solid state that, that, um, that I read right, actually right around the time that we recorded there. So it was really even cool to be <laughs> in the place, you know, reading about the stuff that was happening. But so to be there and to be right in the middle of it, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's a well-run professional you know, studio, it's old. I mean, there's, Mm -hmm. there's some places that you can kind of see the age, but for the most part, I mean, it is, it's top notch and uh, the gear is insane. Uh, The sounds they get are unreal. I mean, they send you home and they send, they send a a big part of their sound is they send it through their, their reverb. And so they have these reverb plates that they've, that they, I think in the sixties, they said maybe before that, even they had put into the ceiling. And so the sound way, the sound gets sent up into the reverb plate in the ceiling and then comes back through. I'm Mm. not a technical guy. You should ask my, the, uh, my producer, uh, he, he could actually tell you in depth what was happening, (laughs) but all I knew was it sounded unreal. And, um, and then for me, you know, we, we did, uh, all of our recording in studio three. And so there was a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, Abbey road stuff that happened there. That's the, one of the smaller studios. Studio two is the sort of the famous Beatles studio, but, um, but a lot of, lot of stuff also happened in studio three. And so being in there was really incredible. And, um, uh, and, and I started kind of this game with, uh, Simon, our, our, um, the engineer there, the house engineer who was just a great, I mean, so, so British, you know, and, okay. and just like <laughs> so dry, very funny. Um, but, but very rarely ever smiled, you know, like I, I kept trying to get him to bust up and he just, he just always kind of held it, you know, together. Very stoic, if you very, will. Very, very, okay. super cool guy. Really funny. And, um, but I started playing a game with him because I think that people, uh, for a while there, Abbey Road was kind of at a crossroads because it had become a place where like rich, um, like primarily rich uh, Japanese businessmen would come through and rent it out and basically just rent it out to do like Beatles karaoke to kind of like be part of that, you know, to experience that kind of thing. And they were paying full price for it, you know? And so then, then Abbey Road eventually kind of said, we, we want to be a, a, a real studio that's still, you know, putting out work that matters. And, um, mm-hmm. so, so they kind of, you have to go through a vetting process to get in there. And so, so they're, you know, they're pretty serious about their work and what they do. And we, you know, the London Philharmonic was there, or sorry, no, the London Symphony Orchestra was there next to us recording a, a soundtrack for, um, oh for a movie that has since got, you know, shelved with everything else because of quarantine, but, um, the latest bond movie or something. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> um, it was a Marvel movie and I'm blanking on what it was, but it's the, the, the Russian, uh, it's Scarlett Johansson movie, uh, um, oh, okay. black widow, right? Okay. Is that, uh, no, not black widow. Wait, is no, that right? I, I don't know. I'm the wrong person to ask. Yeah. I, I can't remember that stuff anyway. Um, Anyway, they were, they were there doing that. So what, so it it became the whole point is it was, it's very professional and, um, you know, when people come in, I think they're very, they're very professional about it and they've tried to kind of, you know, I think people, even musicians try to not fanboy too much while we're there, you know, and I was just like, screw that. Like I am a hundred percent going to fanboy while I'm here. This is incredible. 
simple, you know, like I'm not going to pretend to be all cool about this. Like I am going to, I am going to, um, experience this and, you know, uh, talk about the joy that I'm feeling. So I started having this like game that I would do with Simon of like, who's the most famous person to ever. And then, you know, like if they'd bring out a uh, piano or something or, you know, and so, and it was just incredible that the history and, um, and, you know, we, we were playing Rhodes and it was like, who's the most famous person to ever play this Rhodes? And he said, oh, probably John Lennon, you know, and it's just like, holy crap, you know, like the same one is here. Like, I feel like Indiana Jones, I kept saying that should be in a museum, you know, it's just incredible oh, wow. to, to know that, you know. Uh, that that was happening or, you know, it was the, it was the, um, same studio where dark side of the moon was fully recorded. And so a lot of the pink Floyd stuff was there. And, um, you know, we, we asked for a piano that had a real like beetly sound. And it's funny cause they would say, well, what can you be more specific? Like what song and we're like, Oh, I don't know. Like good day Sh- sunshine or lovely Rita meter Maid, or that kind of that upright, bright piano, you know? And they said, Oh yeah. And then they brought in that piano, you know? Piano. And, um, you know, there was one song in particular where on the drum sound, we really wanted to have a Ringo. There's this big Ringo fill, but that do, but that, but do, you know, and we were like, we want it to sound, we wanted to have that Ringo sound, you know, and they said, oh, okay. And so then they brought in the microphones they used to record Ringo Starr, you know, oh, in wow. the, in the sixties. And, um, uh, so, so that kind of stuff was incredible. I think one of the most like wow moments for me though was when they set me up with the vocals and standing in front of this vocal mic and i don't remember again i'm I'm not a technical guy so you know that our matt would remember or our aaron my producer would remember but they put this very famous microphone in front of me and so i asked simon who's the most famous person ever sing to this microphone and we were just about to take a, a 10 minute uh you know, tea break, coffee break. And so, um, and so we, he goes, um, he goes, well, here, come out, come out here. And so we go into the hallway and just lined on the wall are pictures of, of people who have recorded there. And he points at Ella Fitzgerald and he said that, that right there, that's the same microphone you're about to sing into. And then he goes to Frank Sinatra and then Nat King Cole. And then you see the Beatles all, 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 you know, all four of them around this microphone. And, um, it was just one of those like, Oh, wow. Moments where, you know, I, I was just like, I can't believe that this is, this is about to happen. And like I said, I, I was so, I wasn't even trying to hide it. Like I wasn't trying to play it cool. Cause I was just like, I am absolutely uh, elated to be here. So <laughs> I'm just, this is amazing. I got actually pretty teary, you know, at, in that moment. I, I can't imagine. I think I would get stuck in my head if I thought I was using the same instrument that, you know, John Lennon played on. I don't know that I would, I don't know that not that I can't play a piano anyway, but I don't know that I could make my fingers work. Right. I don't know that I could sing into that microphone. I, I, I just, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Would keep going through my mind, you know? Yeah. I, I just, but what I didn't, I, and not that I know much about recording studios cause I don't, but what I didn't realize was that at say a place like Abbey road, that you could ask for, you know, an upright piano style and they're going to wheel something out for you. So I, I can only imagine what sort of collection of gear they must have accumulated over the years. Yeah. It's world-class is what it is. I mean, they, they have, cause they have state of the art stuff there too, but also there's, I think part of what people are, are really wanting out of Abbey road is whatever the Abbey road sound is, which again, not to beat a dead horse. I'm, I'm not a technical guy, so I don't know, but whatever it is, that's what you get. I mean, we were, you know, they, you actually walk out of there several times. We recorded all the string section stuff there too. And, um, okay. and you walk out of there with very British Abbey road sounding strings and none of us could quite put our finger on why, you know, on what it was, but it was exactly what we wanted. And, um, so was, it was the, it was a great venue for what you're trying to oh, accomplish with your absolutely your album. yeah how long how long did it take you in the studio to 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 do this to record the album i mean i know you're 
to lay everything down, how long did that take? Well, we had two days there. So, so 20 hours. So we were, um, but we had done quite a bit of pre-production to be ready for it. So not, not everything was recorded there, but we were, but the, the main, a lot of the main stuff was recorded there. Two days. Yeah. So we just knew, like we went in going, okay, what are the things that we want to have that Abbey Road sound? on, you know, mm-hmm. and so that's what we, <clears throat> that's what we did. We did, you know, all the piano, um, almost, yeah, almost all the piano. Um, and we did all the strings there. We did, uh, drums. Um, it, there was, yeah, there, there was a lot of stuff that we crammed in, but we were, we were very prepared and we were just running on a pretty smooth schedule. So did you bring, did you bring your musicians with you? I mean, did they... Yeah, we, um, so our, my, uh, producer, Aaron Sternke is a, one of those guys you want to punch in the face because he can do everything and do it at such a high level. It's incredible. And where I'm like, you know, I can do one thing pretty good, I guess, you know, like he's, (laughs) he was and actually kind of funny story about, you know, just learning to trust people is, you know, Aaron and I had worked together for a little bit and I I've always known that whatever he, he produces is excellent, you know, and, um, and he, and we kept talking about in pre-production, he would say, you know, we would talk about drummers and, you know, I was like, well, we could get this guy or we could do this or whatever. And he's like, you know, and I, I'll just play, I could just actually play it, you know? And I'm kind of like, oh, okay. But I've never heard him play. I didn't even actually know he played drums <laughs> at the time. So <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. You know, like, I mean, he's never led me wrong so far. And then we got there and he sat down to play and I was like, oh, he's like a real drummer. He's, <laughs> like, a he's, drummer. <laughs> he's like a studio drummer. Okay. Jeez Louise. Okay. So you recorded, well, let's just say you recorded at Abbey Road and then you, you, you get the, the, the tape, if you will, probably digital, but you know, yeah. you get the tape and then, then what was next in the process for those of us that have never recorded an album? Can you kind of, let's, let's walk through this whole thing. Like, so you've, you've got that done. Yeah. What's next? Well, to kind of place this very specifically in a timeline that everyone will understand. The next thing was actually scrambling to get home because this was right at the time where people were, where the pandemic was, was where quarantine was on the table. And that, that was all kind of like, "Ah, I don't know, are they really going to shut down school or buildings or your businesses or whatever? That all felt so like, they'll never do that. You know, that'll never happen. And uh, when we went over there, we were there for about a week. And when we got there, the corn, the coronavirus was like, was not even really the top story in the, on BBC. It was like a Prince Harry story or something. And so, um, (laughs) but by the end, it was very much the the top story and uh and to the point where we actually were wondering if we'd get back home and so we got home two days before they closed the uh the borders wow. and so um so we were grateful to and i mean i was on you know uh, w- we were on a jumbo jet you know transatlantic and i mean i think there were 12 people on the flight maybe you know that's supposed yeah. to hold hundreds of people 300 400 yeah. people yeah so it was it was very eerie it felt like a, a zombie movie but um but uh but yeah so so we got home and then we're trying to just kind of figure out what in the world is happening in the world right now and um uh but then yeah after that then what you do is you start um you start looking at what you have and you start kind of editing pieces that maybe were you know, not as good, or you, you listen to, you know, we, we took several takes, multiple, multiple takes per song and you start kind of going, this take was better or take three of verse one was better, but take four of verse two was better. And so you, you know, digital, you can ease much easier than tape. You can put those things together and you start editing them together. And then you come back for, um, for overdubs. And so you fix things or, uh, you, you add things, you sweeten things, you, you know, do all that. And then once you feel like you've got everything that you need, then it goes to mix. And then, um, and then, like I said, Aaron, uh, the producer, he's also an incredible mixing engineer as well, which is not, which is usually hard to come by. Usually a lot of producers can't mix, uh, or vice versa, but he's, he's very talented. So, um, so yeah, he, he mixed it all and then we were ready to go and we were going to start releasing, uh, like in May of 2020 and 
you know, and just as things just continue to go the opposite way of, of opening up, you know, everything was still, it was closing down and closing down more. We've just been sitting on it, just trying to figure out, oh man, what do we do? And then in the midst of sitting on it, uh, my manager has been, uh, you know, sending it out to, uh, to his friends or his connections in the music industry. And so we've had some, some label interest of, you know, possibly having picked up. So now we're like, Oh, well, do we wait on that? Or do we, you know, so it's just kind of this, a lot of felt like a lot of hurry up and wait. And now it's just a lot of just wait. Uh, <laughs> but we're committed to, to, to get it out in, in 2021 for sure. Okay. Now, so this is, I don't, I guess, is this a side project to the West Coast feed or is this simultaneous project? Is it what, you know? Yeah. Because this, the album sounds different than the, the band does. Let's yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I've always, uh, I don't, that's a good question. It was, uh, no one's asked me that. I mean, I, I would say, yes, it's, it's all, they're all, they're all happening. You know, I, I'm not, um, you know, the West Coast feed is still is still very much alive and well. And 2020, actually, we had more shows lined up than we'd ever had. And we're really excited about it. And all of them, 100% of them got canceled, just like everybody else. And um, so we're looking forward to when things reopen, getting back out there and, and playing. I mean, the, the West Coast feed, the cornerstone, I think, of the West Coast feed is the live show. Just that, mm-hmm. that, that fun, bombastic, just you know, blow off yeah. some steam. It's just a fun show. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then the, and then the, the, the solo thing is just a, it's a different animal. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's got a little bit of everything, but it's, it's a little bit more stuff that I've had that I've even pitched, you know, to the West coast feed that we just didn't feel like was a, a good fit. It was like a little too, it's a little too slow. What we realized was that, you know, um, we, we have some ballads and those ballads, uh, make for really great bathroom breaks uh, for for people during shows, and so nice of you to think of your audience. <laughs> yeah, and we were like, you know, bathroom breaks slash, and then if it's too late in the set, it just becomes the point where people are like, okay, well, let's get out of here and see if we can beat the rush, you know, the parking lot. So, um, so we we just realized that like we we really are not West Coast Feet is not a like oh we can also show you the sensitive side, you know, like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's been a lot of, uh, my solo stuff is stuff that I've written in the past, uh, and some, and uh, several of the, the songs are new as well for the solo thing. But, um, a lot of it started as kind of songs that didn't find a home at, in West coast feed first. And so, um, so it's fun for me because I feel like the, I can kind of express more of myself through these two different projects and, mm-hmm. um, they are very different. I mean, there's, it's very string. My solo stuff's very string heavy, very kind of, some of it has kind of an old, um, an older singer songwriter, Elton John vibe to it. And, um, you know, and, and then, and then West coast feeds kind of like all shock and awe and like horn section. And <laughs> so how did you guys come up with the name, the West coast feed? What was the, what was the trigger that got, that was what clicked? Well, um, I was, uh, I I've always done music my whole life. And, and, um, a while back, uh, I was in a band that, uh, we were, when I, I grew up in California and right out of college in LA, um, this band I was in called daily planet, we got signed to a record deal and, um, that's a cool name for a band. Oh, thanks. Yeah. We that's were, cool I don't think it would have flown now though. I'm pretty sure we would a hundred percent gotten sued, but, um, yeah, but that's a cool name. <laughs> But we were, I just, I've always loved Superman. So I, um, so yeah, we, um, we went to, um, we moved to Nashville and got a record deal and, uh, recorded, put out the first single and felt like we were living the scene from that thing you do where our first single went number one in across the nation. And we, you know, got on some big tours and things, things seemed to be going well. Then the album cycle, I mean, there were a lot of ups and downs. It wasn't all ups for sure, but, but there was enough momentum going that we felt like maybe we could, you know, that we could break through. And, um, and then kind of towards the end of that, about a year after the album had come out, we were in LA playing a show and I jumped off some drum risers and I landed funny and I, and I ended up shattering my leg and dislocating my ankle. 
and it was pretty serious injury and the show was over and oh you didn't go on i actually to be honest (laughs) i did try scott i did try i thought to my i was totally in shock and i thought to myself you know i'm gonna stand up i think i know i hurt myself but i think i just um sprained my ankle and (laughs) i'm gonna stand up and see how bad it was and then when i stood up it just made it worse and i ended up passing out like kind of in front of the drum kit and next thing i remember is waking up and seeing the band all over me like standing over me like are you okay is this a joke you know and so um but anyway it ended up yeah it ended up i couldn't walk uh for for months and ended up needing multiple surgeries and um it was the, the whole thing ended up just being a nightmare and it was over just like that. And so, um, when people, you know, tell me before a show, like, Hey man, break a leg, you know, I always kind of immediately shiver and go into you know, PTSD. Oh my, gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that, that's not a good one. For you. Okay. You've got that t-shirt. Don't yeah, do it again. Right. So, um, yeah, so we, um, so the band ended up disbanding after that. And, um, just one of those, those things where I was just like, man, what, what just happened? We were so close and now it's, it's gone, you know? And, um, so, so, um, the West coast feed, you know, years and years later when we were talking about doing this, uh, I just always kind of love the concept that when, when it comes to live, uh, live television, this is kind of an old school concept now, but when it comes to live television on um, for SNL, for example, you have the East coast <laughs> feed, and then three hours later, you get the West Coast feed, and basically, it's the whole idea of like you get a you get a second shot at at getting it right, and oh. so that's where that's where the name came from. That's a, that's a great story. Oh, thanks. That, that's a great story. So let's let's you know the elephant in the room for everybody is that well, let's just say COVID sucks. Yep, and it's been hard on artists and performers and everybody, and you're not performing live right now, or you kind of are. Um, you, I just was watching this, um, performance from the Kirkland performance center that you were doing mm-hmm. and you had the strings in another room, socially distanced. Yep. And, and then you and your piano player were in another room Yep. as a performer. That's gotta be lacking at least the energy of, of some, some people in the audience. I mean, but what do you think musicians can be doing right now to stay I don't want to say relevant because music is always relevant, but how do you keep putting your work out there? How do, how do musicians and bands, what do you do? I don't know. And I don't know that anybody's figured it out. I mean, when we first started, you know, in the quarantine, the live stream thing was huge. And I, and all of us had tuned into at least one, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, even some of my favorite artists, you know, that I would watch and it just sort of leaves you like, little, it just, you know, it just leaves you a little hollow. It actually kind of made me feel more sad at the end than like happy because it just reminds you of the thing that you can't get to, you know, like drinking decaf. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) So we were like, we were, I don't know. I mean, I think everybody just kind of burnt out on the live stream thing for the most part because I, and I mean, I know people are still doing them and people will still tune in, but it just wasn't, didn't, doesn't have the, the draw that it used to. And I think it's because of that. I think that because it just sort of ends up ringing a little hollow, it's tough to, um, technically, you know, to, mm-hmm. to get that across streaming. And there's a lot of, a lot of stuff on the back end that's happening there. Uh, to try to make that happen. So, um, so the, the live stream thing, I think, you know, we'll, we'll continue to try to do those here and there and, and pl- mess with what they look like. But, you know, I, I, there's a lot of artists that I know that are sitting on music right now that, uh, that are not releasing because live is such a huge part of the experience, um, for people to experience that it's pushing, you know, Hey, this is a song that we want to push you to come and experience live. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of people I know are sitting on music because of that. And so I think that right now I'm actually grateful when people do release albums and usually, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but like when bigger artists release, it's almost always because it got leaked ahead of time and they were sort of forced to release, you know, or whatever. I think that's what happened to like the Dua Lipa album and uh, some, I think even the Lady Gaga albums, things like that. But, um, but I'm grateful for, for the artists that are releasing now, but, um, 
but I totally get why people are waiting. And I think that, you know, what a hundred years ago when the Spanish flu, you know, was over and brought about the roaring twenties, that this is going to be this, I mean, we, we are going to experience the golden age of music, you know, in this decade, because there's so many great albums that, that people haven't released. And then while they're sitting on albums, they're also releasing other great albums. And so we're going to be, music is going to start to experience, you know, be a little bit more like Netflix where it's sitting on four years of content, you know, uh, as opposed (laughs) to the, the cycle that I think musicians struggle with, which is, you know, write an album. If you're still releasing albums at a time, or even if you're just doing singles, it's, it's write whatever, write whatever you can when you can find the time and then get out Mm -hmm. and play as much as possible and find some time to record and whatever. And, you know, perhaps this, this season might break that cycle for some, uh, for many musicians that, you know, we actually might be able to, to stop and be more thoughtful about it and, and not feel like we're kind of constantly just, you know, running to stand still creatively. Yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's really interesting. And what, you know, I've got a concern that the venues are not going to be yeah, that's going available. To be I mean, are, how are those guys, the owners of the venues going to be able to stay, you know, afloat? Um, yeah, I, I think I, I, again, I hope I'm wrong, but I think we might see a rise in singer songwriter type stuff again of like just a, a, you know, a guy and a piano, a gal and a guitar or whatever that looks like. Um, and I think, some of that might be because the mid-level venues may not make it through this and the places where people like that may have an opportunity to go in. But if you do, you play with the band, you don't play by yourself. You need support. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to fill the room with sound or whatever. I, I, I think we may see some new rise in that coffee shop scene that we saw in like the, you know, it's sort of in the nineties in the early two thousands of, you know, of, of people who are like, all I need is a mic and a, you know, and, and a place to sit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And give me, you know, and, and more, you know, that kind of stuff that, that we can see people build even closer audiences, more committed audiences with. Right. So you did, you just did another live stream though in Yakima, correct? It's at the, at the seasons. Uh, yes. Yep. How, how, how did, let's, let's just from your side of it, how was that? I mean, well, we, we came in pretty ambitious. We were doing a full band and string section and we were okay. playing to, uh, you know, and we also were playing with some um, tracks that we had to kind of sweeten the sound. And, um, and so, um, it was, uh, it was, it's a beautiful spot. If, if you haven't been there, it's, it's not really, yeah. it, it, it is outstanding. I mean, it's an old, I think they said it was an old, um, church. Oh, what is it called? Christian science church that was built like a hundred years ago. I'm, I'm looking at a photo of it right now. Yeah. And it was a repurposed Christian science church, which was started to build in 1917. Yeah. So, so yeah. Okay. So it's like, and, um, but it wow. has a little bit more of a feel of like a, a uh, like you're in Washington DC or something. There's sort of like an awe about it of, uh, you know, um, and there's beautiful stained glass all throughout. And, um, yeah, it was, it was outstanding. The staff was, was just wonderful. So kind. And, um, you know, and you know, they're struggling right now too, but it was, yeah. but they were just, they were first class. And so, um, so yeah, but doing a live stream is tough because there is no, you know, um, you, I have no idea what, you know, musicians have this probably nervous habit or we learned it a long time ago that when you're done with a song, you immediately say, thank you. But when you're doing a, you know, when you're doing a, a, a streaming, do you thank you for what? I don't know what you're doing. You know, like, are you still there? You know? So knock on the screen (laughs) it's very odd you know to like feel that disconnect in in something that is designed to be a connecting agent you know and um so that was really odd but i will say you know with everyone being so locked down especially uh you know in in king county here in in washington um it was so, so fun to be in a room with, you know, several other people making music together. Uh, that was, I, I just felt like I was just smiling most of the time, just enjoying it. 
So, okay. So for, for, let's ask the two questions for the, for West coast feed questions for you as a solo artist, what's next? Well, um, that's probably maybe a tough question because we don't know what yeah, is coming. I don't, what's next. Uh, I'm hoping so for the West coast feed, I'm hoping what's next is that we, you know, that all of the shows we had scheduled get rescheduled and that when things reopen that we're, I mean, we're ready to go. We're, we're ready to roll and, um, uh, excited to get back out there and play together. And, you know, I think we, we've been playing for three or four years now and have been, um, I, I feel like we're, we're tight in our, in our, we've really honed in our live show. So mm-hmm. getting back out there and doing that, trying to, trying to figure out what the recording side of things looks like and quarantine several members of the band have uh family members who are high risk and so we can't really be together uh so trying to figure out that side of things but um but certainly that oh go ahead do you guys can you guys practice virtually i mean i i don't know i mean are you do y'all get together on zoom and yeah do something no we've we've seen people try it and there's just too much lag there's too much you know, and like, there's, there's no way to mix on zoom. So everybody's coming in and when, the, when you have competing volumes, it just ends up canceling each other out and it just doesn't work. So no, we can't, we haven't found a way successfully to rehearse digitally. Um, but yeah, getting back and playing live, that's a big, that's a big goal for us, um, as, as a band. And then, uh, for the solo stuff, it is, um, it is to start releasing, the music. And so we're really mm-hmm. hoping to start to be able to start getting stuff out. I mean, we will get stuff out in 2021. It's just a kind of a matter of when, but I think right now we're shooting for like a, maybe a March release okay. of starting to release some singles and then, um, and then release the whole thing. Now you have a Patreon account or I guess, is that the right word to use? Yeah. Uh, you're available on Patreon. Yep. And some of the songs are available if people are follow you on Patreon. Yeah. So if you become a patron, there's three different levels. And if you get the highest level, you can download, like I'll send you the link to the entire album right now. So the, the entire unreleased album you can get right now. Uh, and then there's two other tiers below that, that will be, you know, one's like half the album and one's a single, I think, or something like that. But if you want to start getting music, you know, right away, that's the best way to do it. And that's a great way to support, um, independent artists right now as well in a time where there's no, there's no money in music. I mean, as if, right. as if there's a ton of money in music when it's not quarantine, but right. <laughs> really, you know, what's the, the joke about musicians? They, you know, take $5,000 with a gear and a, you know, $500 car to make 50 bucks. Yeah, type, you know, that sounds thing. right. Yeah. You know, it's it's um, <laughs> kind of that. But, so people, uh, we'll put a link in the, in the show notes to that. So that if people want to check out the album early, we can maybe they can do that great um let's see what are you besides music what are you doing these days so i um am a pastor of a church that i i mean i used to say we meet we're in bellevue but we're in nowhere right now we're on the internet (laughs) (laughs) well you're nowhere and everywhere yes exactly so we haven't met in almost a year um and uh, it's called Rain City Church, and um, we uh, so that that keeps me uh, still plenty busy with trying to figure out. We do, you know, we kind of have become like professional YouTubers at this point with you know the stuff that we're doing. But um, still, really proud of the work that we're doing, and um, we we have a really um, open, inviting, generous community. Still being still able to do a lot of work, uh, both locally and globally with, um, COVID relief, uh, here locally, we do a lot of rent help and, um, you know, uh, for people who, who have lost jobs because of COVID and things like that, uh, we've been able to help, uh, hundreds of people here locally with that stuff. And then we also are committed to, uh, partners, uh, uh, that are doing global work, uh, where, with, um, uh, vulnerable children and orphan care. And that's really close to my wife and my heart. We adopted our daughter, uh, Harper from Ethiopia and okay. have seen it firsthand of just the need that is around the world. So we've been able to, um, uh, you know, through the church and through, um, through other private, uh, fundraising, uh, you know, have, have raised millions of dollars for, uh, 
that organization called All God's Children International. And then, um, and then we're really committed to seeing water po- poverty um, gone throughout the world. That people, that's, that's something as simple as getting clean, uh, easy access to clean water should be, it seems like in today's day and age that that should be a no brainer. And yet that is still not the case. And so uh, we are uh, working with um, our partners called Water for Good and Charity Water in um, places like Ethiopia and um, Central African Republic to see water poverty uh, gone uh, hopefully, uh, by 2030 is, is the goal. And so we are committed to that. And, um, in fact, uh, we are so committed to that, that even, um, uh, through all the music things that we do through the West coast feed and also through my solo project, all of the merch that we sell, all the hats, t-shirts, CDs, records, all of that kind of stuff, a hundred percent of the profit of that, um, goes to those causes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's commendable. So Very commendable. we, we try to, we try to practice what we preach and, um, and, you know, help people go out and have a good time and experience connectedness and, you know, and, and, and art and all of the fun stuff, but also give people an opportunity to give back as well. Well, it's, it's interesting because I'm going to guess that, you know, COVID's impacted the church too. I mean, you're not you're not meeting in person, so you had to adapt to continue to function. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just when we talk to people, it's just been very interesting to hear how people have creatively worked around the restrictions that they're facing. And so it's I, I like to hear uh, when people are finding creative ways. Hopefully these are very temporary and that, you know, six months from now, you're playing live, your church is meeting live. You're having coffee at your favorite coffee shop with a friend yep. in person. Yep. You know, that's, that's what we all hope for, but it's out of our control in a way. Yep. So why don't you, why don't we wrap this up so I can let you go on your day? Cause you've got, you've mentioned earlier, you've got homeschooling to work on. So got, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Three kids at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's surprising. It's, we've been talking for quite a while and I haven't heard them. So they're, they're, yes. I think my wife's doing a really good job good. corralling right now. So yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Where, where can people find you online and hear your music and learn more about you? Um, so you can, uh, jessebutterworth.com, J-E-S-S-E, Butterworth, like the syrup, um, dot com. And you can find me there. You can follow along on socials. Uh, I think pretty much everything is at Jesse Butterworth on all the usual spaces. And, um, and then the westcoastfeed.com is where you can find us. Uh, for the West Coast feed and uh, West Coast feed is um, our album as as well as um, actually we we just released last fall the deluxe version of our album so it's got all of the songs that were originally on it but also all of kind of the the new versions and you know um, some some of the other stuff we've done since then and we just kind of packaged it all in one place and that's on you know any wherever you listen to digital music, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, whatever. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you for being on. And it was a lot of fun for me and I appreciate you and look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks for having me, Scott. Appreciate it. Take care. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.